BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Melissa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires Fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, how yeah. is your Monday morning going? Uh, it's all right. Um, happy May the 4th. May the it's 4th very be with you as well. Special day. Um, Gonna have yeah. to watch The Last Jedi tonight to celebrate. God, right? The best in the series. Um <laughs> In this latest, like, not the whole, right, right, but right. it does not get the respect it deserves. Yeah, it's it's been good. I think we were talking a little bit about, like, routines and how I am missing one, and I didn't realize I would miss one. So, yeah, um, I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but uh, I just, I guess I need to go to bed at a certain time and wake up at a certain time to be a functioning human being, so... Who knew? Absolutely devastating information. Are you <laughs> really telling me is. that you can't just like, you know, sleep until noon and stay up until four and expect to have like, a, you know, healthy mental and physical state? I mean, my body doesn't work that way anymore, I guess. It's, Ugh. you know, changes We're are old. coming. We're old now, Jessica. We, we can't we are, live by right. college rules anymore. Old ladies. So on that happy note, let's get into this episode because a lot happened. We have so oh much God. to cover. Such uh, a barn burner of an episode. Like so much it happened. on this season. Like, yeah. If if we thought that maybe after you know Alfred dying and all everything that happened last season with Skade, like things would calm down a little bit. Like absolutely not. So wrong. So wrong about that. <laughs> so um, we kind of kick off the episode. Uh, Father Peleg is is in Wales. Um, he's going to kind of bargain with King Howell. Can I just say, can you imagine having to just walk all the way to Wales with oh your pack God. and your sword and nothing else? That just what? seems miserable to me. I can't remember. Is it like a thing that he doesn't ride horses? Because he's never on a horse when other people I, are on horses. I want to say can't it remember. is. I feel like okay. he's the one who they met on the road and like... Maybe, like, season two? I, I feel like we've heard something. Right. I feel like it's, like, a thing, but I can't remember. Yeah, okay. because I see all these hills that he's having to climb in Wales, which, like, congratulations, Wales, because you've got it going on. <laughs> no one's going to invade you with right. all those, Tactical like, advantage mountains. for the Welsh. But, yeah, um, I just, there were a couple of moments in this episode where I was like, man, why is this man not on a horse? But I guess that's <laughs> it. So, anyway. You know but what? Yeah. He's got to get his steps in, okay? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. don't know. But, um... Yeah, so he he's up in Wales to sing uh, to see King Howell um, to get the Welsh support uh, against Edward's uh, wishes. Edward mm. doesn't even know at this point, point. Um, and it 
I guess, you know, the Welsh don't like the Saxons either. So I, at this point, I'm kind of like unsure if King Howe is going to be like, yeah, we'll help you or be like, oh, the Danes are attacking you. We'll help the Danes. Like, I feel like it could go either way after that yeah. kind of like unfriendly reception that he gets. You know, for such a small island, nobody really gets along in mm. this uh like, none of the different peoples are united at all. So, sorry, Alfred. But, yeah. yeah, you know, he goes and they basically are like, screw you, we don't want to help. And then they they basically float the idea of, well, maybe we'll help you because we hate the Danes even more than we hate the Saxons. And also, we want every single bit of silver from the battle. So, sure. any you know, anything they pull off the bodies of dead Danes go into the Welsh. And, you know, Pearleg is in a tough spot because he doesn't really have the authority to agree to that, but he can't leave without the Welsh coming to help. So he agrees to do that, and I just— Well, they bring out the book. They bring out the Bible. (laughs) Right. You know, he is first and foremost a priest, so he can't lie on the Bible. They're not messing around with this. Right. They know— That the Danes like their jewelry. They know how much, like, silver they will get from this battle if, if they can get Pierre like, to kind of agree to this. And, you know, apparently the Welsh king got his hands on a dire wolf, so he's right. got that, like, <laughs> level of intimidation as well. Right. Um, very, so really there was no other strong, choice. Yeah, strong, stark energy from the Welsh. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so while, you know, Pyrleg is making deals that are way above his pay grade, um, Mm. Uhtred is in Mercia with Athelflaed still. They haven't left yet. Um, I thought it was was a really moving scene, the scene with, like, young Uhtred sort of administering the last rites to these children that were dead in Mercia, and Athelflaed's real, you know, the turmoil that she's feeling at the loss of these children— I thought it was interesting because, you know, Uhtred is there thinking tactically and he's like, we need to go. The Danes are coming. You're in danger. And Athelflaed, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, completely disregard his advice, but she also realizes that as a leader, she needs to not just feel um, her people's loss, but she needs to let them know that she feels that loss and that she's Mm -hmm. with them. Because if she's, you know, just running around you know, doing whatever she needs to do with the Danes, her people are going to get, you know, frustrated that she's not with them. And I think Athelflaed really realizes that. And so her public mourning of these children, I think, was a really, like, yes, I think it's, you know, it's because she cares and because she gives a shit. But I also think it's a really important tactical move, you know, to have her people see that she gives a shit. And so I think that makes them more willing to fight for her. It's a it's a very like politically smart uh, move on her part, and I it's also a bit hypocritical um, of Uhtred to kind of rush along someone else's grief when he was ready to True. risk it all to retrieve Father Bioka's body <laughs> um, just an episode ago. But right. I mean, I get it. He he's in a tough spot because he does he knows that the Danes are going to come from her. Um, she's like apparently the most valuable hostage to ever exist in the history mm. of hostages. Um, <laughs> and he knows that they're going to be outnumbered because there's just, there's nothing left in Mercia at this point. Um, yeah. And he's, he's not wrong because they, they kind of write up, up the Danes pretty much up immediately. pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're trapped inside this great hall. I don't know who built these, like who was in charge of, 
building and like city planning. But mm. if you don't build a back door to your great hall, like you're an idiot. I mean, just yeah. the threat of like, you know, burning inside because one of your like, you know, fire pyres or whatever lights everything on fire. Like that should be risk enough to be like, yeah, just we should have an escape door. route. Yeah, build build one one extra door. I mean, really. <sighs> it's really, it's annoying. Um, So, you know, Uhtred is kind of forced to come up with a pretty, I think, pretty genius plan. Like, he is he is the most clever of boys, Alyssa. Yes. Um, with Canute's sons. And uh, he's he's bargaining. He, he goes on top of the roof. He's bargaining with the Danes. And they're not having it, and so he's like, "All right, bring bring the twins," um, and he threatens to cut off one of their heads. Um, I think I was never worried that he was going to do it. I just, no. but obviously, like everyone else, you know, they don't know Uhtred, so um, he he pretends to. He takes the kid back. He pretends to like cut off his head. We hear like the sounds of like an axe going into a dead body um and then he throws a body off of the roof and it's like cloaked in the same clothing as the kid was but it turns out it's just uh i guess one one of of the the dead dead mercy and children yeah um, which sucks so sorry r.i.p um but (laughs) uh the danes don't know that and so the the leader is pretty uh he looks scared shitless to be honest i he should be. be He should be <laughs> to go back to Canute with that. Yeah, and I think this whole this whole plan is really important for showing Athelflaed that she really truly just needs to trust Uhtred because when the Danes show up, she's like, "I gotta, you know, turn myself in. I, you know, I'm not gonna let people die for me." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Just wait two minutes and let me come up with a plan, and we'll make it work." And as mm-hmm. soon as the Danes leave, they sort of share this look. And you're like, yeah, Athelflaed, he's not going to let you be taken. He's not going to not think things through. So just take a beat and listen to Uhtred. And he's probably going to come up with a plan that will at least buy you some time, which he does. So, you know, yeah, he's trust smart. Uhtred. I think he's proven that he's yeah. he's he's pretty um, brilliant when it comes to things like that. I also have to say, though, like, with Uhtred, especially this season, I feel like every single episode he has a moment where he's like, the men can leave me if they want. I just, you know, I've asked too much of them, blah, blah, blah. And Finan's always like, dude, they're never going to leave you. Like, we're here. We're in it to win it. Like, stop whining about it. Like, we're never, you've, you have never given us a reason to leave you. So maybe stop crying about it before every single battle because we're a team now. Like, this is also, it. Also, like, you know, if you want people to, like, not follow you and not believe in you anymore, don't be coming up with, like, ingenious plans like this. You know what I mean? Right. If I saw my, like, homeboy, be, like, trick the Danes into thinking he'd killed, you know, the leader's son, and then he's just like, haha, just kidding, it was, like, another kid's body, I'd be like, right. wow, like, I'm impressed, you're pretty cool, right. uh, let's do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do- yeah. They don't have much else in those times. right. right. So that's that's reason enough to follow somebody. Um, someone who is not worth following is Athelred, though, and we sort of see him with his post-coital glow, which was pretty that's gross. That's so gross. Ugh, I just, that guy just really needs to die. And, you know, Eardwolf is afraid because he doesn't want to tell Athelred that 
you know, at his council, they've basically left Mercia open to be completely invaded. And Edith is like, listen, I basically just let this guy violate me so that you won't be murdered, hopefully. But I can't promise anything, but you have to tell him. So Edith did her duty, which is just Mm -hmm. such an icky thing to say. Um, Mm -hmm. And so now, like, Erdwolf has to hold up his end of the bargain, and he has to tell Ethelred. And uh, it does not go great. Shocking. I mean, Shocking that uh, I Ethelred, Ethelred is pissed. <laughs> yeah, I thought he would be, like, really gracious about this, and mm. like, it's okay, dude. Everyone makes mistakes. Right. <laughs> no, that's that's not Ethelred. Um, he's obviously kind of enraged and, um, you know, throwing around uh, insults, calling Edith a whore, you know, worrying about Ethelfled, you know, being seen as Planning the savior of his kingdom. Planning in a public place. Oh, my place. God. A public Ugh. castration. I just— Yikes. The places this dude's mind goes, it's so dark. Um, yeah. the The one thing I do uh, want to say about this— um, Reaction is that when he finds out uh, the spy in the Danish camp that Erdwolf was uh, listening to was Heston. I love he's, that. He's like, only a fool would have trusted Heston. And that's like the first, like, and only smart thing I think I've ever heard Ethelred say. And so it's like, you know, he's he's not wrong about that, but right. he's just... He's also the worst, so you can't really get behind him. I feel like if you're going to join up against the Danes, you should get, like, a pamphlet and be like, all right, mm. first of all, never trust Heston. He's a liar. He will screw you over. That's the first law of Saxon Club. Don't trust oh, Heston. Oh, for sure. Like, you should get a, like, welcome to your new position. Here's a manual. Um, right. You know what I mean? Like, something you can refer back to in case memorize you decide. This man's, <laughs> memorize this man's picture and never trust him. <laughs> here's, like, where he, how he positions his dreads. You know, right. here's, like, the beard jewelry. Yeah. Right. Have some alternate styles mocked up just in case he changes his look, but you know, he won't. Don't but trust you need him. to be prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not a good time in Ethelred's camp, and you know, obviously, he he knows he he can't stay in East Anglia. He knows he has to go help Ethelfled, even though it's going to kill him to be like kind of writing to her aid. Um, mm-hmm. Because if he if he doesn't have Mercia, then he doesn't have anything. I mean, who wants East Anglia at this point? Um, right. So he gets Erdwolf to kind of call all the men back from all of their pillaging and and he, it looks like he's going to ride to Tenton Hall. Um, still not sure about Edward, though, because he's in Wessex, um, mm. like, having a little temper tantrum in front of his mother because he finds out that she has sent Peerleg to Wales um, to bargain with the Welsh king against his wishes. Which, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I think, you know, Edward makes it really clear. He's like, he knows that Howell will take advantage because they don't have a good relationship with the Welsh. And he knows that Canute will hear of it and think that Wessex is divided and weak. So basically, like, you know, I think Aleswith was kind of put in an impossible position because, you know, this looks really bad. But it would look mm. even worse if she hadn't called for aid and it was, like, just them against the Danes. Like, that never—that mm. was never going to go well. And so I think we sort of see this further division between Edward and his mother 
because he's, you know, trying to be a king, whatever. And then as he's, like, leaving after reading her the riot act, she basically calls him a bitch and is like, listen, (laughs) (laughs) if you wanted to, like, you know, earn the awe of your people, you should have done a better job on your own instead of driving your sister and I to, like, make these choices without you. So, yeah. Word, Aleswith. Word, Aleswith. Like, what is going on this season? Because I feel like I'm fist pumping every time Aleswith is on screen. It's killing me. It's making me question, like, everything I ever thought I knew about this show. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally behind her. Uh, I think... You know, obviously she's thinking as a mother, she wants her daughter safe, but I think she's also thinking yeah. as a as a experienced leader and she knows how terrible it would look um if Edward didn't ride to help his sister. I mean, that's just yeah. it's it's not only cowardly, obviously. It shows all of your enemies that you're not willing to, you know, risk anything for your allies. So it it makes and, like, your entire kingdom look weak. Because if you're not going to ride out to help your sister, you're not going to ride out to help East Anglia or to help whoever else, like, might be in your crew. You know what I mean? So it just—I think it opens you up to more than just, oh, he was a bad brother. Like, he, it, it's not a good look for Edward um, as a ruler. And, you know, while he's having this uh, fight with his mom, um, Ethelhelm and Aelfled, I finally learned her name. Aelfled, yeah. I mean, I guess I need to know it. Um, they're scheming <laughs> against Aelswith. Uh, basically, Aelfled's kind of attempts to manage Edward um, are not going well. There's there's obviously a rift uh, between those two. And um, Ethelhelm's worried about it because he knows now that Aleswith went to the monastery. She saw uh, Edward's firstborn son and she reunited him with his mom. Um, And he's worried that, you know, there's a legitimate claim there and that's going to put their position at court in jeopardy. And he basically tells his daughter to fuck Edward into complacency, which gross. There was a lot of men being extra gross about their female relative sex lives in this episode, and I really didn't care for it. Between Earwolf talking about Edith boning Athelred and Athelhelm talking about Aelfled boning Edward, just, you know, I just stay out of it. You know, I, I just, like, I get it. Like, women are in a very different position than and than they are now, but it just all this discussion about sexual manipulation was super gross to me, and just yes. a real a real sign of the times. And they were not good. No, so. it's also weird that like they have this conversation and they're like hugging, and he's like yeah. holding her neck and like keeping her very close while he whispers in her ear about what she should right. do to keep basically her you need satisfied. To- Right. I just, Ugh. you know, ugh, not, not a fan. So Get some stupid. boundaries, Saxon. Boundaries. You they, clearly they don't matter. have any. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I feel like nobody was really in a good place in this episode. Like, the mm-hmm. Saxons are scrambling in their various factions. And then, like, once that the Danish spy gets back to Canute and tells him, hey, so Uhtred's back and he killed your eldest son. And Canute, of course, is, like, upset because, you know, he thinks his son is dead. But he really, like, gets extremely emotional 
Um, and I think it, you know, it makes him make a mistake. Like, he he really wants to ride out to meet Uhtred now, even though he's not 100% certain of, like, what they'll be facing. And Brita kind of, you know, tells him, you know, it's okay, we need to regroup. We do not need to ride out to meet them just yet because we're not ready. And he was, you know, going on and on about an heir, and if he doesn't have his heirs, then, you know, what's all this for? And I feel like she was trying to tell him, Actually, I'm pregnant too, so you have a backup kid, so there's uh. a spare if you lose both of your boys. But she never really gets to tell him that. So they're, you know, going to ride off to Tettenhall and uh, face him down. And it's uh, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, he's, he's raging out, obviously. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting. So it, it did seem like Brito was going to tell him before he learned the news about his sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I don't know. It was interesting that, like, she didn't use that to maybe calm him because she was trying so hard to be like, think about this. This is what they want. We had the advantage. It's an insult to the gods to write out. But she didn't use the pregnancy, which I thought was interesting. And I'm like... I don't know if it would have gotten her what she wanted. I don't know if he would have been like, okay, fine. You know, I don't think that would have happened. And maybe she recognized that and was like, it's not worth it to tell him now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just, I'm wondering if he's he's ever going to find out that, you know, she's pregnant. I don't he's I don't know what this not. baby means for Brita. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's an interesting position that she's in because it feels like that's something she's wanted for a long time. Now but she has it, and it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like, mm, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a weird, weird position that she's in. Um, and so while they're kind of, the Danes are kind of grouping up and getting ready to ride out, um, our Cookham crew's, kind of hanging by the fire. Uh, they're waiting in, around Tettenhall um, and thinking that their leaders are devising some genius battle strategy. But really, they're making out. <laughs> Neck-fixing, chilling in the woods. <laughs> like, I guess if death is like an imminent thing and it's a turn-on, I mean, everyone in the ninth century must be like hella horny because... Right, horned up all the time before a battle. If you're going to die and, like, Uhtred is there, like, hey, use my body, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I I, I mean, I want to say, like, you know, wrong place, wrong time, but honestly, I'm so... I don't know. I'm so tired. Just find happiness where you can. Crazy kids. Um, That's the quarantine brain speaking. We we might be able to like you know assess the situation differently if we could you know go outside, but we can't. So I understand. I haven't had human contact in weeks. So right, <laughs> whatever. Right. Do do what so. you want. Um, <laughs> also, did you see that ass grab? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Get it, girl. Like Adelaide yeah. is just so in control of this whole thing and I'm loving it like I just I don't know there's something about their relationship where it just feels so like there's an equal footing there and I think yeah. they both have their strengths and they have weaknesses and they kind of make up for each other's and it's a it's a really interesting dynamic between them yeah the power dynamic between them is really interesting and I'm, I'm curious to see how long it can hold because mm-hmm. ultimately like you know Athelflaed has a lot of responsibilities and I I don't know what that means for them. But, yeah, I think uh, I like the footing that they have together right now. Um, Yeah, we're going to enjoy it while we can, Alyssa. (laughs) Exactly. You're right. I thought that for so long. 
Now, I ask myself why I failed there. I know there is a plan for me, yet I do not know what it is. Only that it leads me to you. So they, you know, they head off to Tatton Hall, do some majestic galloping. You know I love that shit. Yep, And so they show up, and nobody's there. Edward hasn't come. They don't know about the Welsh. And it's, you know, they... I think they expected somebody to be there when they rolled up, so it was kind of an anticlimax when uh, mm. no one is there. Yeah, it's a little little concerning, I have to say, to see like our our small little band of Very like, concerning. rebels in yeah. a huge open field, <laughs> and no one else is like, "Hey, we're here too." Um, right. You know, apparently the the Fjords are supposed to assemble in the woods um, and wait for for Ethelflaed to get the signal as as kind of a surprise. Um, you know, luckily the Welsh do arrive, um, and Father Pierlig's with them. So you know, he explains what's going on, and and Ethelflaed sees this as a really good sign. She's like, well, Edward wouldn't have sent the Welsh if he wasn't going to come help me. And Pure Lake's mm. like, mm, actually. Psych. It's a gift from your mom. And so, yeah. So even at this point, you know, they have, it's obviously better numbers, but they still don't have enough to, to match the Danes. And there's a real concern that, you know, Edward is not going to show up. And um, I think it kind of forces you know, uh, Uhtred to, again, get kind of ingenious and, and inventive in his battle strategy. Um, he's so good at making use of that terrain. Like, yes, just the best. Although, how long would it have taken them to, like, dig trenches like that? <sighs> My God. Overnight. Well, and there aren't that many of them. So I assume was, the trenches I mean, were already dug like i thought oh, okay. they were already there the, oh, okay. the thing that i think they had to do was like cover them cover with all them the branches up. and stuff which still okay. seems like it would have taken a while because you have to go in the woods and cut down the trees i just i, like, I don't know i cannot imagine the level of exhaustion that oh a battle like this i mean you first you've been traveling through the night to get there so you're operating mm. on no sleep and a lot getting in your steps and then you've got to prep the terrain and, like, you know, hide all these massive trenches. And that's, like, a full day's work. And then, yes. you know, you got to go and fight for your life after that. Oh, my God. I hope they sleep for a week when this is over. Also, like, well, I mean, the food situation. It's not like they're eating, like, right. they're carving up before these battles. They might get a slice of bread and, like, a little bit of meat. And that's probably it. So it's like. Exactly. If I don't eat the breakfast. body back then. I just, like, I can't believe it. Like, if I, I don't live a particularly, you know, uh, robust physical life. So, like, <laughs> but even I am, like, if I don't eat breakfast, like, I am hungry and worthless yes. by lunchtime. And so yeah. I just, you know, they're stronger people than I by uh, really quite are. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, and we've really, I think evolution has kind of, it's we've worked softened. backwards from this time. Yeah, yeah. we're all weak um, now. <laughs> but yeah, so they're kind of, they're getting ready. Um, they, they think it's just going to be uh, them and the Welsh. I do not fight for honor, Uhtred. I fight because someone must make a stand against Knut. Even though I am forbidden. As a sister, I am defiant, but as a daughter of Alfred, I am just doing my duty. Even if it wasn't made for me. 
I cannot blindly follow the king's command. That's something I understand. Uhtred and Ethelflaed have this moment right before the battle. I don't know why. It's honestly one of the hottest things like I've ever seen. Like he <laughs> he tells her to find someone to kill her softly in yeah. case things don't go well and it looks like she's going to be taken. And like I damn near swooned at that. Like I was just like, oh my God, I want someone to tell me to find someone to kill myself because <laughs> like, he's so worried about me. <laughs> um and, of course, like, Ethelwood already has her, her man picked out, Eldhelm. I don't know if that's a good choice. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of waiting for the Danes. Um, everyone's there. Young Uhtred is on the front lines. I, I don't know Nobody why. Nobody gave him any armor. Like, that boy is not prepared for a battle at all. There couldn't have, there wasn't any sort of leather or mail or anything Mm-mm. to give him in Mercia. Nothing. He's just no. out here in his little deacon outfit with a sword and, you know, so God's his will in his back. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yes, and also Osferth is there with him. Like, he only has one arm. Like, right. the neglect for baby monk's welfare on the show is, like, an insult. Yeah, exactly. it really is. Um so I'm worried, obviously, uh, about yeah. more than Finn's one character worried at this because point. he's, you know, praying his hardest, which is not, you know, what he's oh known God. to do. That you was a that great prayer? touch, though. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was so dramatic. That that kind of voiceover prayer that he's doing, it's just like, oh, shit, this is it real. Made me think, <laughs> it made me think of that moment in Return of the King when Pippin is singing mm. as the Gondorians ride out to go die. Oh, oh, that God. had very strong vibes, and I'm glad that yes. they had a happier outcome. Oh, um, yeah, you know when Pippin sings, people are going to be bad. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, so Knut and his men... They show up, and it seems a little bit too clean to Brita. And mm. so she's like, hey, man, let's hold back for a second. But Knut is like, screw you. I'm mad. I want blood. And so mm. he rides out with his men, and they're riding hard. And they get stuck in these pits, and it's awesome. Um, but also, I always feel sad because those horses did not the horses. to have their legs broken. They did nothing Melissa. wrong. But anyway, um. so Canute is not, not he's, he's so overcome by emotion that he's not pl- playing his cards right. Yeah, yeah and, and it, gives, uh, it gives Uhtred the, the high ground when they're trying to climb out of the pit. And I had, there's such like Battle of the Bastard vibes this whole episode, but especially when Canute's trying to kind of crawl out from out under of the, this pile of yes, bodies. That was exactly Oof. what I thought of too. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's it's intense. This is this is a great battle. I mean, there have been some mm-hmm. great battles on The Last Kingdom. They're really good at staging a fight, but this one may have been my favorite one yet. Um, yeah. They did a really good job with just, you know, just showing the overwhelming clash of bodies while also having, like, the small character moments. Like, you have, you know, Uhtred saving his son and everybody, you know, sort of, fighting for their lives. I mean, I always love to see, like, Citric and Finnan, like, fighting together because you can always find them together on the battlefield because they're bros. Yes. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's starting to look pretty bad, and then Athelred shows up and joins the fight. And for a second, <sighs> I thought he was going to, like, see it and, like, see Athelflaed and be like, you know what? Screw her. I don't want to do this. But for once, <laughs> he did the right thing and joined the fight. Um and Edward also shows up and is also, again, 
pissed because Athelflaed did what he couldn't. And, you know, he talks about how, you know, there we go. Christians are united without Wessex to lead them forward. Um, mm-hmm. so jelly. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yes, I think you've got <laughs> both of these peanut butter kings. jelly time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've got both of these kings, like, looking on Athelflaed and getting shit done and really, really upset at that. Um, I'm but sorry, also, dude. We, She's, your sister's cooler than you. <laughs> She is, and we need to talk about that moment with Athelflaed and Eldhelm on the uh, field, uh, because I, like, it made me feel things. I'm not going to mm. lie. It was, a, mm. it was like, you know, if I shipped it, I would ship it harder, so I kind of do. Here's the thing. I think there's something really attractive um, about Eldhelm's, like, just willingness to follow Athelflaed, like, his... I know Uhtred respects Ethelfled, and he sees how strong and capable she is, and it is an equal relationship between them. I think there's a kind of worship that Eldhelm has for her because mm-hmm. he he really cares about Mercia, and he sees how important she is for Mercia as well. That like makes their their relationship, yeah, it's always going to have a little bit of that kind of energy because. Um, She's, like, you know, his only hope for Mercia at this point. And so I think, too, like, their their interests as far as, like, protecting their people and seeing their kingdom do well are more aligned than what hers and Uhtred's are. And I think this kind of situation showed that, maybe. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. a, it's a facet of their relationship that Uhtred and Ethelflaed will probably never have. Well, it's basically, like, the classic example of, like, courtly love. Like, there's this mm. man, he's, you know— one of her vassals, and they'll never be together, you know? Like, she's the queen, he's, you know, a lesser noble, whatever. But he'll always, like, carry that flame for her and sort of, like, that unrequited love. And, Mm, you know, that's they've they've written so many stories about that. So, courtly love, Athelflaed and Aldhelm, I love it. Um, But, yeah, Edward does come through and save her, though. Mm. But he's not happy about it. No, I, I mean, like, thanks for, you know, making sure that for she doesn't f- firing die. the arrow, but, like, <laughs> whatever. Just the worst. Um, I, I do want to talk about, though, you know, so everyone's fighting. Um, Edward's now in the fight, and bodies are flying. It's, it's really kind of chaos and brutal. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, so Edward is... is out here in the field fighting, we see Steapa like push him out of the way. A horse like ramps into Steapa, yeah. which you know, fuck you, horse. And then, <laughs> literally two seconds later, we see a dude bash Steapa's head in, and Steapa is dead. Like, yeah, he's dead as hell. That was what the that hell? was that was a brutal death. Like, it would take a like Steapa. I feel like he's a bigger deal in the books, but in the show, he's like he's just such a constant presence. Like, he doesn't always say very much, but he's like always there. Like, whenever yes. there are big moves happening, Steapa is there, and for to have him like die and to die so hard, that was brutal. There was no buildup. I mean, it would ju- it just happened, and then we were we had a second to process it, and then it was like, all right, move on. And I think yeah. that more than anything, kind of yeah, conveyed the brutality of like living in this time. Yeah. And 
it reminded me a lot of Leo Fritch's death in season one, mm. where it's like oh, just God. to show. I know, I know. Um, just to kind of like show, like you know, when you're in the thick of battle, like you suffer these, you know, huge losses, but you can't like dwell on it. You know, like you have to mm-hmm. sort of shore up your resolve and keep fighting, and then you'll deal with it once you've survived, if you survive, and when the battle is over. Um, but yeah, I did not. I did not expect that. That was a that was a hard one. Something else I didn't expect, which I was excited about at first. Um, as as this battle is going on, Ethelred uh, falls into the ditch. Yes, I had hoped that maybe he fell like on a sword or something. Um, but he he I starts mean, to get up, and I'm like, oh, he's fine. But, no. but then you see he's... that gnarly head wound, <laughs> and it is gross. Basically, his brain's coming out of the back of his skull. So that, like, earned a little fist pump uh, mm. from me. Yeah. I don't think, I like, you know, for a second, I'm like, oh, maybe he'll die by the end of this. Um, and then, you know, I remember good things rarely happen on the show. So mm. I'm not going to get um, too excited, too hopeful. Yeah, not too excited about it. But it was still a nice sight to see him like kind of stumbling around, um, not really coherent. I was like, yes, <laughs> just let someone finish him off. Please. Um, but we did get one very satisfying death in this battle. Um, yes. Uhtred sort of runs off into the woods to sort of head up the Danes that are trying to escape. And Canute sees him and follows him. And so they finally have this, like, big confrontation. And Canute is pissed because he thinks he killed his sons. And Uhtred is pissed because he knows he killed Ragnar. And so they're, like, having this emotional, you know, back and forth about revenge and Brita comes upon them and sort of hears everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so she knows what Canute did. And, you know, it's not like she ever gave a shit about him before, really, like, you know, outside of what he could give her. Um, and I loved that Uhtred let her have the kill. Like, he yes. let her, you know, be the one to swing the sword. Um, yeah, he before, knew how much it meant to her. Yeah, and, you know, before they kill him, like, he tells him that his sons are still alive. Um, You know, so at least he has that as he's going out. But, yeah, Brita, you know, runs him through. Love uh, it. Yeah, and, you know, I I just, Brita and Uhtred's relationship is so complex, but I love that they didn't, you know, they were still able to unite over this one thing. But... It's, you know, I don't think that'll happen again because Brita no. gets taken by the Welsh and she begs Uhtred to kill her and says, you know, I want to be with Ragnar. I want to go to Valhalla. I can't be a slave. And he can't do it. Like, he ultimately, like, even though he knows it's what she wants, he can't be the one to kill her. So she gets taken away, which is just a killer. The worst. Um, I Just her little, her face... I know. Oh, like, I know. so sad and just so feeling betrayed again by Uhtred, not respecting her wishes. And I get it. I mean, that's too much to ask of him. That's a lot her. of pressure to put on him. But Yes. Um, but also, I think that's that almost feels like the final kind of nail in the coffin of their relationship because sure. he, he knows what being, you know, a slave means. Taken, yeah, yeah. Especially for her, especially for someone like Brita. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just can't, I don't know what's going to happen with these two. I don't think this is the end for them, but I just think that when they're finally kind of reunited, it's not going to be pretty. No. Um, but yeah, so the Saxons win the battle. 
um, heavy Yay. losses, but they <laughs> but they have a little bit of victory. Um, and Edward, you know, he goes to meet with Howell, and he's like, hey, it was great that, you know, Wales could help us. I look forward to, you know, uh, an alliance moving forward. And he finds out about Pure League's deal and is uh, not pleased, but he's basically, you know, he doesn't have a choice but to go along with it. Um, but Howell basically tells him, yeah, go to hell. I don't want an alliance. I just <laughs> wanted all this Danish silver. So you're on your own, boy king. And... Uh, I think Pure League is in trouble. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a real slap in the face for Edward. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that moment right after they have this talk that Edward, like, looks over to Pure League and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I can hear hear the Kill Bill sirens. It is not good. Oh, my God. Yeah. um, You know, we're going to zoom in on the face and it's, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, But before he, he kind of has it out with Pure League, he, um, you know, meets with Ethelfled, and things don't go well. He's very no. obviously, you know, he's insecure and jealous, and um, they've he's witnessed, you know, he's lost Ayapa, um, so he's hurting. And he basically tells her, you know, don't come back to Wessex. Like, I don't want you You're here. You're the reason Ayapa um, is dead. Oh my God, such a little bitch boy about this whole thing, and. Oh, um, he, he's just like, yeah, the way he does it, the timing, basically, you know, um, saying and, and Ethelhelm comes as well. And, and they basically say, like, you know, Wessex is going to blame you for the loss of their men, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they would not. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's it's um, for Ethelhelm. It's a politically smart thing to do to, you know, make sure that uh, Ethel fled is, is banished because. She is someone that, you know, people get behind and people want to follow. And Edward mm-hmm. is clearly not at this point. Um, but for Edward, it feels it. I don't know. It's so petty and it's it's so hurtful because I feel like they've been through a lot together as siblings and they've come to each other's aid a lot. And you really see what not having Alfred around has like done to even their relationship. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, I think Edward is young and green and he makes bad choices. But I also think that he is smart. And I think he realizes that Athelfled is really proving herself to be Alfred's true heir. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Athelfled is the one who is beloved by her people and making these big moves and finding success on the battlefield. And he's just always playing catch up. And I think... I don't think he realizes that listening to men like Athelhelm is a big reason of why he's in that position. So I think he's just choosing to take it all out on Athelfled when he realizes mm-hmm. that, like, she is her father's daughter and he is not acting like his, um, you know, his dad's son. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of layers with those two. And it's whoo. It's it's going to be bad. I am, like, so stoked to watch the back half of the season because I think it's going to get really bad between For sure. um, Edward and Athelflaed. But, hey, Athelred might be dead. So but there's always maybe Athelred is dead. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kind of have that moment between Eardwolf and Edith, and she's like, we need to go. We can pretend that you died on the battle, and we can just leave and start over. And he's like, absolutely not. We're going to see this through, even if it's, you know, ends badly. And then luckily, you know, the man they're thinking about running from has a major head wound and 
is hopefully dead. So maybe yeah, they, you uh, see them like exchange a look of they're like, like, Ooh, like this that would solve, right? This would solve a lot of our problems. So we'll see. We'll see uh, how that plays out going forward. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So now it's time for our next episode wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa? So super interested to see how Edward lashes out after this battle. Like, he's clearly pissed with his sister, and I cannot imagine things will go well with Aleswith when he returns to Wessex, you know? Mm. Like, he knows what she did. She knows what she did. They have very different feelings about it, and it's it's going to be bad. So, and, you know, I'm just, I'm ready for Edward to stop listening to Athelhelm and instead, you know, listen to the women in his life, but I know that's not likely. Um mm. But, like, as much as I love the battles, which is a lot, I also love the courtly <laughs> scheming. So seeing, you know, what happens with Aleswith and little Athelstan and Athelhelm is a priority for me. Like, they are terrified that this kid and his poor wronged mother is coming for, you know, their position and wants to take over the kingship after Edward. And I like seeing those jags afraid. So I'm yes. super stoked to see how all of Athel or Aleswith's, you know, sort of behind the scenes machinations play out. I'm stoked. They should be afraid. I mean, Aleswith is a worthy opponent. And I think um, Ethelhelm kind of underestimates her. He calls her a bitter widow this episode. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she's way more than that, dude. Like, you need to wise up or your time's going to be short in this palace. Yeah, obviously, I think we all want Ethelred to die. But I don't think he deserves to kind of go out a hero on the battlefield. So, you know, maybe this traumatic brain injury will just plague him for a while and we'll see him go insane and... You know, maybe then Edith can stab them while they're getting it on or something. Ooh, I don't know. I like I've, that I've idea. gone a little dark. <laughs> it's um, good, I though. I just want him it's, to really like, suffer. I like where your head's at. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, mostly, though, I, I think I want to kind of see what's going to happen to Brita. Because watching her be taken away by the soldiers was rough. Awful. I think she's such a, a fierce warrior. And... Being in a cage is, is kind of worse than death for her, especially after everything she's been through. I just, she deserves rest. I just want her to, to live the life she wants or to go to Valhalla if that's what she wants. She's earned whatever ending she thinks is right for herself at this point. Now, The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Who was your arsling in this episode? I mean, it's got to be Uhtred. He Mm. really came through this episode. I mean, he's always been a good fighter. Sure. Um, But I love to see, like, how his mind works when it comes to things like, you know, hostage negotiations and 
battle planning. I think he's he's such a, a smart little Viking warlord. Mm. And um, that bit with Canute's sons was like, mwah, like perfect. And yeah. I think, once again, like he finds the most inventive ways to gain the high ground when facing down a much bigger opponent. I mean, even Finnan has this um, moment where he's, like, explaining to young Udrid, like, your dad gets us, gets us out of, like, all kinds of scrapes, so I'm sure he'll come up with something. Like, he has a reputation now for having these brilliant last-minute ideas. I don't know if that's, you know, that luck is going to run out soon, but right now I'm I'm standing it. Yeah, like you said, like, Uhtred absolutely killed it this episode, but I'm going to go with Athelflaed. I have loved watching her grow into a real leader, you know, like, really mm-hmm. taking the good parts of her father and combining them with what she's learned on the job as the Lady of Mercia, whether that's just being around her people and seeing how things work or listening to Uhtred. Like, Athelflaed, obviously, she's her own woman, but she's also wise enough to take the counsel of others, and she's wise enough to see what has worked in the past and how she can use that in her own way. And I think that's really amazing. Um, And, you know, her main focus is always what's best for her people. And I think that's a really rare thing on this show. Um, You know, she isn't out for glory, even if she deserves it, you know, like so many of the men around her. And I just, I think the way that she combines compassion and steely resolve is really going to serve her well in the long run. She's the heir that Alfred had and just never appreciated. So the princess who was promised, like, come on, For real. she's the best. It's only right. <laughs> Get ready to shame none the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the week, Alyssa. Um, well, for me, the toxic twosome of Athelred and Eardwolf are just jumping on my last nerve. Like, get these it. guys. Yeah. Get out of here. These like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, Eardwolf has zero qualms about innocent men dying in his quest for family security. And his, his willingness to basically damn his sister to a life of being a sex slave is just repugnant. Like, he's a coward Seriously. and I'm ready for him to die. Same for Athelred. Like, he's flounced around being a dickhead for long enough, so may that head wound seal his fate. Yes. Like, Eardwolf, if you want to be in the king's, like, good graces so bad, why don't you put on this scanty robe and, like, walk around? Flash <laughs> you know, your soldiers like Eardwolf, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, lace up your corset. <laughs> I don't know. He's the worst. Um... I, I agree with both of those wholeheartedly. I also want to add um, Edward to our turd pile this this episode because he's just been the worst this entire season. Mm. And, you know, I think his jealousy, his insecurities, um, the fact that he does not respect the counsel of his mother and his sister, um, just the epitome of toxic masculinity right now. And... Mm. You know, he was willing to let his sister die to get what he wanted. Like, that is mind-blowing to me. And even when he comes to her aid, he has, like, the the time and the mindset to, like, comment on, oh, people like her better. Like, it's just mm. so—it's so petty. and Get over um, it. Get over it. And the fact that he exiles her and leaves her with the guilt of Stiapa's death, even though that's not on her at all— um, I think it's just a step too far. And, you know, if someone wants to assassinate him this season, 
I'll give you some coin. Like, I'll back you. <laughs> well, historically, he does not have a very long reign. So uh, I, okay, good. I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me because yeah. he's really not a good leader. So, no character is safe on The Last Kingdom, but some seem to be flirting with death more than others. Ninth century life was fleeting and barbaric, but that doesn't mean we can't have some fun with it. Get ready to place your bets on who's headed for Valhalla soon, because this is the Viking death pool. All right, who have you got? <sighs> who's toast? All right, I, look, I know the show wants us to place our bets on Athelred dying, um, but I don't trust the writers after Siapa's death. So I'm going to go ahead and name Father Pureleg as the mm. next in line for the grave. He yeah. betrayed Edward. He embarrassed him. It's not like Edward can punish his mom with a public execution. So I think Pureleg probably just signed his death warrant. First of all, I would like to say that between calling Bayoka and Canute, we're kind of killing this new category. Pun fully intended. Ayo. Um <laughs> And yeah, I agree about Pure League. That man's days are unfortunately numbered. Um, mm. I'm also, like, as much as I've enjoyed her scheming, I'm extremely worried about Aleswith. Like, at this point, mm. she wields significantly less power than Athelhelm. And if she doesn't play her cards perfectly, I don't think he has any problem, you know, offing her and making it look like an accident. You know, like, very true. He's feeling desperate. He wants to hold on to this position that he's, you know, secured for himself and for his daughter. And I think Aleswith is trying to fuck with that, and he's not going to take kindly to uh, that kind of meddling. Also, it's, you know, we've been kind of praising Aleswith this whole season, so it would be a particularly, like, hard death to accept at this point. Right, I make her like maybe her, or make us like her and then kill her off. That'd be terrible. Then take her away. That's terrible. That's the Last Kingdom's M.O., so mm. I think that's a good guess. This is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2020. The world is on fire. Honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Alyssa, you go first. Listen, there's no better look than disheveled and slightly bloody. So maybe oh, that yeah. means there's something broken inside of me, but I stand by oh, it. For sure. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you know, there wasn't anything particularly horny, but uh, it worked for me at the same time. <laughs> No shame. Um, I agree. I think there's that hookup in the woods. Um, That's true. That's true. That really got me. I think the clothes stayed on. But I really appreciate, yeah, I appreciate The Last Kingdom finding kind of fresh ways to keep these trysts, like, hot and steamy. Mm. I also really like how Ethelflaed seems to be in control of these interactions. Like, it's a it's a new look for Uhtred um, mm. to be the submissive one in a relationship. And I'm That's I'm a really good point. Yeah, we haven't seen that in his other relationships. You know, like, I think with Gisela, there was a real partnership, but it was still, mm. I think, ultimately, she would defer to him. Um, sure. So, yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. I'm into it. So, since we recorded our previous seasons, the world has changed a little bit. Life has ground to a halt, and we're just doing our best not to lose our minds in quarantine. So goodbye, Geek Out, and welcome to Self-Care Corner, where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and doing to stave off the seemingly endless alone time. 
So what are you up to lately, Jessica? I feel like the last couple of, uh, you know, episodes we've done, I've I've talked about, like, doing things. So mm-hmm. I'm going to revert back to my natural self, which is watching TV. Mm. And um, there's a show coming out on Hulu soon. It's called The Great. Yeah. Um, it has Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning. Um, it's basically uh, set in, like, you know, I think, like, maybe 17th or 18th century Russia. Russia, um, yeah. It's Catherine yeah, the Great, and, uh, right? Sort of her rise. It's to Catherine power. the Great. It's it's okay. her yeah yeah young Catherine the Great, and um, I don't know if anyone's seen the favorite, uh, yes. but it's written by the the guy who wrote the favorite, Tony McNamara, and it is hilarious. It's so good. Um, Nicholas Holt plays the this like uh, Russian emperor who is just insane and. Um, like the worst kind of like royal and Elle Fanning plays uh, the woman he's he gets married to and she kind of comes into this court and it's it's like, you know, a fish out of water kind of thing. And mm. everyone's just the worst. And it's so yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, I just I love period pieces that kind of play with history a little bit and they don't stay so tight to like what happened and have sure. a little fun with it. Um, like you'll laugh in every episode. It's it's great. You know, I was a Skins fan, still a Skins fan. So I think it's kind of crazy to see how Nicholas Holt's career has sort of evolved over time. Like, Mm. who would have guessed that he would have found his niche as, like, deranged dandy? Seriously. He's so good at it. He's so good at that. He was, like, the stealth favorite in The Favorite. So I'm I'm ready for, like, a whole show of that. Put him in, like, a long wig and some, like, rouge and let yeah. him go because yeah. he really, he seems to really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, he, he's, like, the low-key, you know, secret weapon of this show as well. Like, there's just, mm. he there's something about, like, watching him play a, a just a really dumb bad guy that's so fun. Um, well, I finished Normal People and cried on my couch for the Yay. last three episodes. Ooh. Highly recommend okay, it. get into it. Yes. Yep. Yep, I really need to know what you think about it. Um, And this weekend, I basically was like a canning queen. I pickled radishes, I pickled red onions, and I made vegetable stock because I didn't want to, like, waste my produce. And I don't know, are you um, a fan of the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen? Um, Yes, so I have watched, um, but I don't know how to can. Do they have a canning episode? Well, no, but it was basically just like I was trying to channel my inner Brad Leone and make my own fermentation <laughs> station. Um, I don't know if I did it correctly. Like, I think I think I did fine. You don't need to do you don't need to like, you know, be like super intense about canning if you're just like, you know, slicing up some un- radishes for pickles. But sure. yeah, it was really fun and it made me like feel a little bit in control of my life. Like it may be yeah. just like I'm in control of my refrigerator and the things going in and out of it and not letting produce go bad. But that sort of modicum of control really helped my mental state over the weekend. So, yeah, if you want to make your own pickles, do it. It's really fun. I mean, wherever you can get that sense of, like, I've, I've got this, you mm-hmm. can get it. If it's from canning, you know, radishes, yeah. do it, hey, There you go. All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, destiny is all bitches.